Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your Game Master. This week we have a special treat to share with you, one of my favorite all-time micro-games, The Mustang, designed by John Harper. The Mustang is an achievement in horror role-playing. It creates a tense atmosphere with effortless simplicity. I don't think I could have chosen a better system to begin our Halloween Creep 2K16 here on One Shot. Before we get to the episode itself, I have an announcement that I promised last week. As I said, we've recently done something at One Shot that fans have been asking us to do for a long time, and that's open a merch shop. Nearly every article of clothing that I own is some sort of branded t-shirt, so I get wanting to wear your fandom on your chest. And while we've wanted to create t-shirts and other items for our heroes for a long time, it's always been really difficult to implement. Even the t-shirt club, which is part of Patreon, has been an overly taxing affair. And it was definitely difficult to figure out how to create general merchandise for all of our fans, while keeping the t-shirt club, a group of people who provide an overwhelming amount of support for the network, a specialized experience. What we've settled on for now is using Redbubble, a print-on-demand and fulfillment service. This means producing merchandise won't take time away from myself, Cat, or Pat, which means we'll be able to keep producing podcasts at the same rate. The store is going to start with a limited selection of items, a one-shot shirt, a campaign shirt, and our Back to Basics shirt. The T-Shirt Club will receive all shirts that show up in the store for free, in addition to exclusive designs that will only come out for the T-Shirt Club, or will come out for the T-Shirt Club long before they are available to the general public. Redbubble might be a temporary solution. We're still looking for ways to provide our fans with high-quality merchandise so they can support the network. Having merchandise available means a new channel of income for the network, which means we'll be able to develop those new ideas a lot quicker. Thanks to everyone for their support for getting us here. And now, if you're looking for a way to support the show and get some fancy new threads, you can head over to our Redbubble store, which is linked in the show notes and on our site, and buy yourself a new t-shirt. Once again, another huge thank you to our Patreon backers. Thanks to them, this evening we'll be showing another episode of Dungeon Rats at 8.15pm on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash oneshotrpg. Come in the channel to join the chat and vote for things to happen during the show. Hopefully this time the Twitch servers won't be so terrible. And you can also join us this Thursday at 8pm Central Standard Time for the One Shot board game stream, where we'll be playing Coup. And with all that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, heroes, let's meet our party for this week. I'm really excited because we've got people here who are visiting from out of town. Yay. And first up is a new voice, sort of, to you guys, because kind of. you're familiar with her voice through her art and layouts. That's Palomi. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Palomi, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to play with you. We are going to be playing The Mustang yes. uh, by John Harper. This is a micro RPG that's sort of like a gothic horror western. Very bleak, very creepy. It's a really cool game. And to get people in the mood, I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite horror folktale? So I have two in mind, but I think the one that's probably the most appropriate and the one that's scariest to me is selkies mm. so basically there is this creature that is just this beautiful horse and i love horses i'm from texas i love horses i've always loved horses and the idea of a beautiful horse that as soon as you touch it it turns into black tar and then drowns you <laughs> is kind of spooky <laughs> absolutely 
it does not care. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's that's great. That's really creepy. And that definitely fits with our theme. Next up is a voice definitely familiar to people, um, but mostly because he runs the ones and twos on our stream. Yeah. Though he's also uh, Remy Lionsbeard, so uh, <laughs> definitely should know Pat O'Rourke. Hey, James. Thanks for having me. Pat, thank you so much for joining us for this, especially on the la- late notice game change that oh, we yeah. had to do. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Mustang's very good. Pat. I got the same question for your favorite horror folk story. So do you remember the book Stories to Tell in the Dark? It's like a kid's book. Oh, do you yeah. Mm-hmm. That horrifying book? book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It still haunts me. Like I think of stories from it all the time. And the one that comes to mind is this young couple gets married and the bride is like, I do not take this ribbon off my neck. Like oh, all I ask yeah. is that you don't take this off. And the guy was like so curious after they've been together for a bit. One night when she's sleeping, he like reaches over and takes the ribbon off her neck and her head falls off. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I just, as a kid, I was like, what? No! Yeah, Only on your wedding night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and if that doesn't count, the movie Critters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like the movie Critters, way more valid as a horror folk story. <laughs> All right, and finally joining us is a voice definitely familiar to people from our Numenera episodes. Darcy Ross, welcome back. Uh, Numenera, uh, James. Numenera. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's really great to be here. Numenera sauce. <laughs> oh no. Oh man, have we Mark really messed that <laughs> up? Ruined it. Oh boy. Across the United States, possibly across oh, the oceans. <laughs> My insincere apologies to yeah, Monty Cook. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Darcy, what is your favorite horror folk story? Uh, so the one that comes to mind is one that I, it's, it's around and it has many variations, but I think it was in that same book that Pat mentioned. It's the one where, um, there's like some, you know, killer on the loose, right? And this girl, this little girl is like listening to it on the radio and, you know, she knows that he's in the area. And so she has her dog to sleep with her to sort of make her feel safe. And so the dog always sleeps underneath her bed and she would put her hand down and the dog would lick it to like reassure her. And something happens and, you know, there's sort of a noise. But later on in the night, she like goes to check that the dog's still there and she gets her hand licked. And then in the morning, she sees like the dog killed somewhere and it was the man underneath her bed that's like licking her hand that's horrifying it's so bad it's so gross yeah Yeah. it's so gross i'm sure i'm telling it poorly but (laughs) well now that we're in that mood and because this is part of the halloween creep 2k16 uh, (laughs) let's begin our game of the mustang the Mustang is a living nightmare, a soot-black stallion with eyes like burning coals, breath of flame and hooves of ringing steel. It's swift and deadly. It's everything that is savage and cruel given physical form. You're crouched outside the lair of the Mustang, near the burned tree. Your friends are with you, exchanging nervous looks. Like you, they're having second thoughts. Like you, they smell death on the air and they wonder if it's theirs. Cassie has a big piece of sheet metal with a rope across the back because the Mustang breathes fire. Jack has a rifle because the Mustang is far too swift to catch. William has a Bible because the Mustang is the devil's steed. And you have a knife because in the end, someone has to cut the Mustang's throat. It's the witching hour, and the moon is full, and fresh blood on the ground the mustang will surely run tonight so we've gathered out under burnt tree 
Burnt Tree is one of the few landmarks in the sparse western town that we occupy. It's a massive tree that towers about 14 feet tall. It's notable because running down it is ashen scars from lightning bolts that have hit it. Burnt Tree is one of the few living things in this area. Sure, there'll be the occasional wandering coyote, perhaps even a cactus here or there, and the tumbleweeds have to come from somewhere. But the burnt tree is the one thing stubborn enough to choke life up out of this dead land. It towered to the sky until God struck it down. Burnt tree, quite simply, is a place that things come to die and not to live. And we're all sitting here now. And we can only hope that that means that the damn horse can't live here either. The horse comes out of the horizon. On the sunset, as the sun strikes the ground, there's a bright flash of hellfire. That's when the horse rises up. It tramples across the countryside, laying waste to anything that it sees. And it's attracted to the smell of blood, which is why we've spilled some here on the sand. It sits next to us in the fire as it crackles low. We have a flask of whiskey between us, because even though we came here determined... With a mission, we're afraid, and it's cold. We're all a little nervous. We're all a little drunk. And we're waiting, waiting for the steed to catch the scent of blood on the air. We all sort of know each other. We've all got history together. But not everyone knows everyone as well as everyone else. My name's West. I came here because I knew I had to kill the Mustang. And you all came with me because you knew you had to help. My name's Jack, and I came with West because he's my best friend. I can't just let him do something like this alone. I appreciate that, Jack. You bet. My name's Cassie, and I ain't scared of nothing. No horse, not even death. This ain't a normal horse, Cassie. You know that. Y'all best remember that. It's the devil. I ain't scared of the devil either. That's what'll get you killed tonight, Cassie. My name's William, and I'm not even sure the power of the Lord is going to be with us tonight. Pass me that flask. Of course. They open the flask and start passing out the brown liquid to one another. It stings. Stings like fire. But that puts a fire in their belly. It keeps them warm. It keeps them focused. I just want y'all to know, I'm not drinking this because I'm scared. I'm drinking this because I like whiskey. It's all right to be afraid, Cassie. I've seen what that thing can do. Y'all ain't all from around here. Not too many people grow up in Burnt Tree because the smart ones get out when they can. But I'm from Burnt Tree, and I've seen what that thing can do. I was 15 barely a man when that thing first rode near the town. Usually it would stay out in the desert, and not a lot of people believed in it. Nobody thought that it would actually come near us. In our arrogance, we thought our fires kept it away. But fires in its heart, fires in its soul, and fires all it knows. My parents built a small shack just on the edge of town, big enough with a nice enough plot of land that maybe, if we worked hard at it, 
we might be able to drive some cattle through it, hold some animals, make enough money to get out of here, get to some place where you can really make a living for yourself. We built that place out of wood, and we built it with big windows so that the beast could see the fire, keep it away. But it didn't keep it away. I woke up to screaming and the smell of soot, the sound of crackle and wood, and all I could feel in my lungs was smoke, and I felt the strong arms of my father lift me up, hurl me out of the house. Those arms weren't strong enough. The Mustang came, and that ringing sound, that horrible steel sound echoes in my head today. I can hear it time and time again stomping down on the strong man that was my father the fires that touched my mother. She never quite recovered. She lived, but I don't know that I would call that life. So I know what the Mustang can do. And I can tell you, Cassie, that if you are not afraid, and you are not careful, we're all going to die this night. Not the damn horse. William scratches at uh, a, the edge of his coat, sort of lost in thought. We've all had our run-ins with the darkness. I thought I'd come to this land of freedom, and I'd, I'd show the hooligans from this wild area the power of the Lord, and I had a vision, and now I don't know who that vision was from, but uh, I thought I could, could make a difference, and uh, there's a little town not far from here, where there was, and... Uh, my best efforts just got me a scar and a lot of lives on my conscience. This horse and I have been dancing around each other for too long now. One of us leaves tonight. Talk about a scar. Let's see it. Uh, <laughs> William uh, pulls out of his jacket a hand-rolled uh, cigar and lights it in the, the light of the fire with our crackling blood underneath it. And then he, with it hanging out of his mouth, he rolls up his uh, sort of tattered sleeves. It looks fresh. Can't be, but it's burned and it's got a little bit of a still red uh, gash to it. Um, it uh, covers his entire uh, left forearm. I only got a lick of that fire yards away. How long ago did you get that? Two years. Jesus. Cassie takes a swig of whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Palomi, what does Jack think of that scar? He isn't really saying much because he's trying to keep under wraps how scared he feels. But when William rolls up his sleeve, he kind of rubs the back of his neck and looks away, a little bit ashamed. But kind of looks around and hopes no one noticed. Jack, I know you're a good shot. You ever been hunting at night? All the time, bud. That's good. You ever seen it? You ever seen anything like it? You ever smell a lot of burnt beef? I mean, at a barbecue, sure. I'm not talking about a barbecue, West. I'm talking about a whole drove of cattle. I was with my pa, and we were running like we usually do up to Kansas and we saw a hellfire riding to us and 
The cows got spooked. But they ran towards the hellfire. We didn't understand why. It just mowed through them like they were nothing. Burnt bodies everywhere. We lost everything that we were going to get that day. Going home, feeling that way, and smelling what we'd smelled. We couldn't get it out of our clothes. We couldn't get it out of our minds. We were lucky that any of us got away. The night air is cold. A little bit of wind, dust sweeps across the desert, causing all of them to hold themselves a little bit tighter. Make their grip on that whiskey just a little bit tighter. Try to fight the chill. So when the chill sets in, you start getting slow. You start getting stupid. You start getting desperate, imagining warmer, nicer places. But because of the task set in front of them, they can't think of those places. None of that comfort has to be in their heart. The burning hatred rides across the West, and only the sure hand of people who know what they're doing can put it down. William, you're a man of God. Gotta say, I don't know that I believe in God. I believe in what they call the devil, though. Uh, I believe in God, but uh, I'm a little less certain of his motives these days. <laughs> he laughs nervously and uh, takes a big drag of the cigar, uh, Jack, the ashes. Uh, kind of gets up a little bit and stretches his legs. Um, just still listening to the conversation. William takes out a stick he's been poking the fire with, and he's been sketching the Lord's Prayer in Latin in the sand before him, in the dirt. You speak that stuff? Yeah, I do. Learned it. I'm gonna hope it's as much the, the language of the Lord as, as I was raised to believe, but it's certainly scary as hell to hear when you're somebody shouting it at you. <laughs> <laughs> Cassie, having taken one too many swigs of whiskey, says under uh, her breath, God is for cowards. Now, what do you mean by that, Cassie? Hiding behind some sort of imaginary figure, thinking that's going to keep you safe. Only one who can keep you safe is yourself and those you surround yourself with. There's no God. There's no book. That's not going to help us. Cassie, do you think we're good people here? I think you're fine people. We're fine people. You all think you're good people. Do you? No. I'm not sure what you mean, though. <laughs> uh, a little theory I've been cooking up being out here in the last two years or so. Uh, God takes the good ones. We're what's left. Maybe we deserve this. And... I don't know, the the cruelty we think God is dishing out at us, you know, maybe he's already taken the good ones. And if he's taken us, if he's taken them from this, and William points around and one button of his shirt unpops, uh, <laughs> and maybe, maybe he's good and we're bad, and that's how it ought to be. Maybe the best we can hope for is to do what we can here and die fast. You can't think that way, William. I don't see why we let God know as much as he seems to know. Yeah, I'm with you, Jack. 
I'll tell you one thing, William. I don't think God takes the good ones. I might miss my father every now and then in weak moments, but he wasn't a good man. Things I've seen him do when he's drunk, things I've seen him do when he's angry, ain't no one can call that man a good man. He was a strong man, and I assure you, I know that firsthand. But that Mustang beat him down, beat him until he was nothing but a bloody pulp. I'm not here to avenge him and what justice was brought to him. I'm here to make sure that nothing, nothing like what I've seen that beast do ever happens to another human being. It ain't natural. That sort of justice doesn't belong in this world. Jack kind of scowls into the fire and finishes off his whiskey. Jack, you've been a mite quiet. Now, I've known you over the years. I would call you my best friend. But you didn't have to be here. I did. Sure, I did. I mean, my pa took care of you after you lost yours. And, well, I'm just continuing that. That's what he would have wanted. Your pa didn't bring us up to... <laughs> to go get trampled down by some demon horse. Yeah, well, my pa doesn't... He doesn't get to tell me what to do. It's fair enough. You are your own man. That's the trouble sometimes. Another biting wind sweeps across the desert. This one makes West clutch his chest more. Clutch the three silver coins that are sitting in his pocket that have been weighing heavily on him on the ride over and the entire conversation they've had around the campfire. He takes out the three coins. They feel heavy in his hand. He looks to his friends. This is silver. Each one of these, genuine silver. Took it to the bank, had him weigh it. I know it is. Now, I don't know what stock y'all put in stories that people tell back and forth. But the devil don't like silver. Devil don't like silver because it reminds him of the light of God shining down on him. When silver reflects a fire, it adds its own holiness to it. Now, I brought these because I care about y'all. Each one of y'all. And when we go up against it tonight, if there is a God, and if God, if God does stand against the devil... Then I want you carrying his light with you. So here you go, Jack. Thank you. Cassie. Thank you. William. Mm. William, I'm not much good with words. Will y'all mind helping us through a prayer? I might as well. Uh, I don't think the uh, usual prayers are going to do us any good tonight. So why don't we say a little something from the heart? He takes out a, a flask from his chest that he hasn't opened up yet, um, and he tosses some water into the fire. He dabs a little on his coin, and he passes it around. You can do it or not. I'm here for support. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd mind uh, taking my hand. Of course. Lord, gather before you are four souls. You've done wrong. You're the light of God. You've sinned, 
but who are banded together to purge a greater sin from this good earth. This earth that has been scorched by this horror for years and has traumatized your people. Good God-fearing folk have perished in the wake of this devil. We are but what you made us. We take what little slings that we can, and stones that we can throw at this beast. If there's still a place for people trying to make a difference in the world, then, Lord, we ask that you guide our hands and our guns and our words and our, our hopes tonight. And if you're not there, God, well, this is on your, your conscience. <laughs> I like to think he has a sense of humor. Uh, and yet, you know, you're free to join in or we can, we can have an amen. If there's anything particular you're wishing from the big man. I guess this is the last time to ask for it. I guess no matter what happens tonight, I want what we do here to stay with us. We're the ones who took responsibility for this. And there's a town of people back there, women, children, don't need to get mixed up in this. Uh, so no matter what happens to us tonight, no matter what your will is, God, just uh, look after them. Leave them out of it. God, you ain't giving me much for head or heart. I'm just asking you keep me alive tonight. God. Are you people standing around with me right now? Mm. Who I'm truly talking to. Stop being afraid. Acting like we got no tools. No way of pulling this off. But we can do it. I got this big sheet of metal. I wouldn't bring this all the way here if I didn't think it'd work. You got a gun. A gun. Those things kill. They kill things of this earth. Cassie, this is not of this earth. Yeah, but still a gun. You're going to slow it down some, ain't you? Yeah, you're going <laughs> to slow right down. Now, Wes, you got a knife. You could slit, slit that neck. Boom, bam, dead. William, you got a book. Sorry. Sorry about it. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it works out. We, we will. <laughs> well, I guess the only thing then to say is amen. 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 Sassafras. <laughs> the moon and stars are out in full force tonight, rising up above. There's not a cloud in the sky. You can see the channels and swirls of the Milky Way dancing overhead. Part of it's beautiful, also a little eerie streaks of green and red in the air and the moon is a harvest moon big as a peach sitting right in front of your eyes filling that sky with a red red glow and somewhere out in the desert you think maybe for a second you hear a clanking hoof maybe you hear that horrible demon scream or maybe it's just a whistle on the wind the three clutch the silver coins, rolling them around in their hand, feeling the weight, seeing the glint of the light from the fire as it crosses their eyes. If y'all 
could do one thing. Money's no object. Time ain't no object. This wasn't our last night on Earth. If we live through this, what do y'all want to do? I've been uh, working my way toward uh, being a man of God since I was a little boy. That does things to you, who you're able to connect with and what sacrifices you have to make. I wish I had had time to be a little more of the earth myself. Be with the people instead of always thinking about trying to be closer to God. You know, at, at this point, I have more empathy for the flawed people like myself around me than I do the big man upstairs necessarily. So I suppose I'd just like to have been with people better. Jack looks at William across the fire uh, a little confused, but looks away pretty quick. Uh, William, uh, you know, wipes a, a ringlet of black hair away from his face. It's sweating a little as he's close to the fire. How about you, Cassie? This may seem like a wild dream, but I want to be president of the United States of America. <laughs> what, Cassie? <laughs> yeah. First female president of the United States of America. I think I could do it. Cassie, I've seen you kill a boar with your teeth. Right? <laughs> that Imagine is- what I do to those politicians. Hey, it was good enough for Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. I'd be a hell of a president, Cassie. I'd like to see that. Thank you. That sounds it might like- take 100 to 200 more years, but it'll happen. Hey, it sounds like a pipe dream, but look at where we are. We're yeah. dealing in pipe dreams right now. <laughs> yeah, we're about to kill the goddamn devil. Well, Cassie, maybe after this, uh, we make a sign for you to run for the mayor. <laughs> I'm sure as Mayor Hatherford would be. Surprised as heck to see you on the ballot. <laughs> I want to see his face. Me too. Oh, well. What about you, Jack? Well, I suppose if I live through this, I'm going to start asking some questions that might need to be asked to some people. And I hope for the best. Why, Jack, brother of mine. I didn't know you were sweet on someone. You fixing to get married? Hey. Oh, I don't know about married, Wes, but maybe settle in somewhere with someone special. Oh, I just want to be clear. We're just friends. Cassie, I know that. Okay, good. (laughs) Well, if it ain't Cassie, future president of the United States. (laughs) I'm not fixing to be first man or nothing. (laughs) Who's the lucky gal? Uh, well, it's, uh, it's not a gal. It's not a gal, Wes. Okay. <laughs> not, not quite sure what, uh, what that means, but, uh. It's a man, Wes. It's a man. That's what that means. Wes sort of takes a swig of whiskey from his flask, looks into the fire, that explains a lot. <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> I swear to God, Cassie. <laughs> well, if it ain't me, <laughs> who is it? 
in whiskey veritas. Uh, William holds his, his drink up. Give it a click. Ain't no lies in front of us now. No lies gonna help us. That's true. All right. Well, speaking for myself, and I know this sounds stupid, and y'all might laugh at me, but I kind of want to see a lake. I never seen one. Growing up around Burnt Tree, there ain't no water that you don't dig up from the ground. I heard people passing through talking about huge stretches of water just out there, clear as the sky. I always wanted to hold some in my hand like that, you know? I've seen floods, seen rain, seen water mixed with mud and blood and all sorts of awful, nasty things. I ain't never seen water on its own. And if I make it through this, I'm going to take what little I have. I'm going to sell it, pack the rest onto my horse. I'm going to go find a lake somewhere. That's a, that's a good plan, bud. I surely hope so. There's a howl of yipping of coyotes in the distance. And as soon as they rise up, they stop suddenly, as if interrupted. It's something that causes everyone to brace themselves. Jack grabs his gun. William clutches the Bible. Cassie raises that sheet metal. And West feels the weight of the knife in his boot. He looks at it in the fire. It's not some magical weapon. It's not new. It's not fresh. It's a workman's knife made of steel, sharpened begrudgingly, not lovingly maintained. It has serves a purpose. And tonight, hopefully, it'll serve its purpose once more. West looks at the notches on the knife, takes note of the times that he's damaged it, working with it, sees the little patina, bits of rust that have showed up on it that he wasn't able to rub off. Looks at that knife, that long, cruel steel instrument, rolls it around in his hand, grips it tight. What does Jack do with his gun? When he grabbed his gun, he could feel the cold metal and the warmer wood in his hands. So he takes it up, makes sure all his bullets are in there correct, and loads the gun, makes sure that the extra bullets he has in his pocket still there takes one out looks at it in the fire little cross that he etched into the side of it kind of catches the fire and blazes up a little bit puts that back in his pocket and keeps it under his lap now cassie positions herself knowing that she's going to be basically the front lines to west uh, mm-hmm. positions herself right in front of him and already has the the steel side up and she's holding mm-hmm. it up, up already. William uh, takes his cigar, now just a little nub with an ash on the end, and tosses it in the fire and scuffs the prayer he'd been writing in Latin with his boot. Sand goes into the fire. He heaves up his, his Bible. He uh, 
loosens the cap on his uh, holy water flask and sort of has it at the ready. And he takes a couple steps back behind uh, Cassie and Wes. West uh, taking that knife, holding it firm in his hand, his eyes scan the horizon. Sweat beads on his brow, but the air coming out of his mouth and nose, it steams away from him as the cold night air takes the warmth from inside him. He takes one last swig of whiskey before he puts it in his pocket, waiting, ready. He looks to Cassie. He sees the now-dying fire dancing across her form. She's bulky. She's strong. She's got scars. Her skin is leathery and tough. Her hair pulled back out of her eyes, cut short as to not get in the way. He sees her standing there. He sees her strong, the way she's always been. He looks over to Jack, his brother, the man who grew up beside him, now thinking of different things, that phrase rolling over and over in his mind. It's a man, West. It's a man. Not sure how to take it, not sure what to think. West never been a religious man, never held much with what people said. But he knew the things that happened to Jack when they were growing up. He knew the violence that fell down on that boy's head. And he wonders, was he the only one who didn't know? Looks to William, young man, man who, under any other circumstance, would have their whole life ahead of him. Sees him clutching that Bible thinks about all the things that William said this night, dedicated his life to God, and now wishes that he were closer to people. Well, he's close to people now. West's eyes fall back to the horizon, looking for that evil glint, waiting, waiting for that demon roar, that horrible equine scream to echo across the hills and let them know that their nightmare has finally begun. What about William? What's he think of the people around him? William's starting to feel a burn, light that old remembered burn in his forearm. And he's not sure whether it's the trick of the mind, trick of the night, and the cold, or the whiskey, or if it's something coming. William's thinking, maybe this ain't a bad way to go. These are some people closer to him than God ever was from day one. He's thinking, he's trying not to let himself think what's possible if he survives tonight. But he remembers Cassie trying to tell him, this ain't a night for fear. Can't go in with fear in our hearts. So he's trying to steal himself and he's flipping that coin in between his fingers and, uh, and re- stealing himself. Trying not to think too much. What's he thinking of Jack? Trying hard not to think of Jack. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't a time for 
question in that, is it? He's a young man, but the days go by slowly when you're locked in studies away from people and conversing and living life. He's trying not to think of Jack, but uh, he keeps stealing a glance or two. Jack might be their saving grace tonight with that rifle. Um, Jack gets up and holds the rifle in one hand, takes his jacket off, because despite the cold, yeah, he feels warm. He doesn't really tell anyone, but he smells a hint of what he smelt the night they lost all their cattle. And it kind of sends a shiver down his spine. Um, he looks at Cassie and chuckles and thinks to himself, if she can be president, maybe anything's possible. <laughs> um, he looks back at Wes a little bit more soberly and uh, feels a little bit of regret, but kind of thinks if he dies tonight, it won't matter. Then he looks at William and he looks at William a really long time. And uh, their eyes catch. And he doesn't look away this time. He just pushes his hand through his hair and smiles. Uh, one side of William's face cracks up in a smile. Cassie's mind is clear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, focused on the task. <laughs> Thank God someone is. Oh, good. <laughs> She's thinking to herself, I'm surrounded by good people, fine folks. We're going to do this. But she does have one gnawing question. Who is Jack into? <laughs> oh, <yeah>. oh, no. <laughs> and as she thinks that, the slow thought turning over in her mind, trying to unravel that mystery, a scream lets out. The scream of surprise, scream of fear, coming straight from West's mouth as he sees on the horizon rounding one of the vistas the demon smoke coming up from the orange, horrible eyes of the Mustang. It's returned here, returned to Burnt Tree. Return to the one thing that was stubborn enough to try and suck the water out of the land and carve out a life in the desert. The thing that was struck down by God himself for its arrogance of trying to live here. It's come to the place that symbolizes the death that lives within this land. And that the people who drive cattle and try to farm crops are reminded of every year. Death lives in this place. And the living things have no place here. The Mustang has appeared. It starts with its horrible equine scream echoing across the hills. Its steel hooves beating down on the hard, sun-baked desert as it tears towards Burnt Tree. Cassie firms up her grip on her shield and begins to raise it. And we cut to a memory. You remember Cassie standing on the edge of the old rail bridge with you, looking at the dark reflections in the water far below. The sun is high and bright in the clear blue sky. She reaches out to touch your hand. Her tough hand, she 
never wears gloves. Always claim that calluses make you stronger. Touches the back of the thick hair on West's hand. As he looks out over the water with her. We did good work today, Cassie. We did. We did. It's another day tomorrow, though. We got more work to do. Yeah, they do seem to keep making days. Yeah. But what good would it be if the days stopped? Suppose, and you and I would have longer nights together. <laughs> yeah. But who wants to rest? You know? There's so much to do. So much to change. Yeah. This river... This old damn river. Every year, it's always at the high point when we gotta drive cattle across it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm in there, river, pulling and pushing and getting all wet. <laughs> My boots are still wet. Well, it ain't no good to be running around with wet boots, Cassie. You gotta let that dry off. No. No, you gotta stay strong. Let nature run its course. These boots will dry. Yeah, stay strong ain't gonna do nothing for foot rot. Uh -huh. uh, Wes bends down to start unlacing her tough boots. Oh, she kicks. Get off my boots! I can take off my own boots. Woman, what are you doing? You're gonna get foot rot. No, I'm not. I promise you. I am strong enough to fight off the foot rot all on my own, thank you. Well, fine. Fine, you fight it on your own. You just dry your boots tonight. I will. And as long as I'm around, I'll make sure you're just safe, too. Well, I appreciate that, Cassie. Yeah, because you could get foot rot. <laughs> you're a lot weaker than I am. I mean, look at those hands. <laughs> Pink as a baby's bottom. <laughs> That's because I wear gloves, Cassie. Yeah. That's because you wear gloves. <laughs> Point made. And we return. <laughs> oh, we return to the present. As Cassie raises the shield, the demon creature draws near. It opens its mouth. And all the stories, all the rumors that everyone's heard, all of the things that everyone felt in their heart, at the edge of their memory, at the edge of their sanity, it all comes to be real as out of its mouth, along with a billowing scream, that shriek like a desperate drowning animal, that cry like steam ripping through an engine, it lets out a huge wreath of fire that dances across the desert and hurries in the same beating hoofsteps towards our four. Cassie raises her shield. So do I call heads tails? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go heads. Heads. Uh, heads. All heads. right. Yay, Yay Cassie! Yay, Cassie. Yeah, Cassie. <laughs> yeah, of any of us, Cassie's the one who should <laughs> succeed here. Yeah, she dies. <laughs> Needs to be president. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cassie, what do you do? 
How does it look as this fire dances towards oh. you? So um, I raise up uh, the steel and I just lean right into it as the fire breaks around the outside. Uh, it breaks so wide it's protecting all of us. Um, and as it's coming, uh, Cassie continues to lean more and more into it without any fear. You can feel the strength of the fire. It's not just you putting sheet metal between yourself and the flames. The flames push back. It feels like the time that you had to tame a wild horse with your bare hands. You can feel the strength of it push back against the shield. What do you do to sure up your feet? Uh, I dig my toes in as as deep as they can go. Happy that I got strong feet. You have the shield braced against your arm, and you can feel it heating up. You can feel the bite of the fire sinking through the metal, the metal now hot against your hands. You hold that rope strong, fighting against that pushing flame, but it's getting hotter and hotter. And I think to myself, this is why I never wore gloves. So you think that. You smell burning, not just the burning blood that boils, the blood that you smeared across the ground to attract the monster, not just that coppery scent attacking your nose. You smell burning that actually hits a twinge in your heart. You smell burning rope. You know that in seconds, as you see the frayed ends of that rope lit against the horrible hellfire of the flames, that this rope is going to snap, and if you let it fall, there will be no protection from the flames for your friends. What do you do? I grab the rope. You grab the rope. The rope catches flame. The flames come down and start to kiss the sides of your hand. The fibers on that rope start to unravel. Cassie would hate this. A yell for help. Holy water? (laughs) (laughs) William says with a smug smile. (laughs) William, smug even in the face of the devil. (laughs) Sounds like him. Uh, Yeah, Cassie kind of just like rolls her eyes and she goes, Whatever you got, you better use it. Uh, With one swift motion, uh... Uh, William drops the Bible, pulls the flask out, flips the cap off, and throws it at the at the rope. We, so the water. we see the holy water sink down into the fibers of that rope, and for a second, you think nothing's happened. Nothing's going to happen. You don't even hear the hiss as the water touches the flames. You can feel the burning on your hand. You feel as though the fire is going to consume your entire being. What a waste of time, William! But not, but not for one second do you flinch. Not for one second do you waver. You feel the strength of your arm cling to that rope, cling to that sheet metal as it stands against the flames. As much as the pain pushes into you, you push back. And because you don't waver, the flames of hell recede. They don't touch you. And you start to feel the metal as it was before the flames touched it. Cold in the night air. The pushing, the beating, the horrible hoofbeats against the sheet metal stop as well. You're sitting there, watching this horrible creature dancing in front of you, filling the air with its flames, and you know in your heart, in your soul, 
It's just like foot rot, and you're too strong for it to matter. Then we cut over to Jack. Jack with his rifle. The beast has seen the strength of Cassie. It knows that its flames cannot penetrate that shield. Whether that shield is powered by faith in God or faith in herself, it does not matter. The beast has seen true faith in its rawest form, and it is afraid. It turns to run. You know in your heart of hearts that this beast is swift as cruelty and war. This beast is swift as pestilence ripping through land. This beast is swift as a brush fire tearing apart a herd of cattle. If it gets away, there's no way anyone will be able to catch it. It's up to you and your rifle with the bullets that you carved crosses into. You pull that rifle up to your eyes. How do you aim it? I drop to one knee. Steady my elbows on my leg. And take a deep breath and hold it. I am straight for the nightmare's head. I exhale and I fire. And we cut to a memory. You remember Jack pounding on your door in the dead of night. Drunk and wailing. His face is bloody and swollen from the beating he has taken. Later, he cradles the rifle in his hands, talking about death. Jack just cradles the rifle in a corner. He's really quiet, more quiet than you've seen him before. He's a quiet boy, but sounds like he's not even breathing, even though he's still alive. Jack, you... You gotta listen to me. You keep drawing in and out. I don't care what kind of beating they gave you. If you let it swell shut, that's it. You came back here, so you're gonna live through this night. You hear me, Jack? What if I don't want to live through this night, West? What if I don't want to live through any more nights? Don't you talk like that. Don't you talk like that. No one misses your paw more than you. No one misses him more than me. You're not ready to join him yet. You're too young. This ain't about my paw, West never was. What's it about? You you got jumped by some damn fools who robbed you. That don't matter to me. We'll get more money. We'll just work. That's what we've always done. It's okay. We're going to make it through this. Jack just shakes his head and he looks at West. You don't understand. God damn it, I don't understand. Then help me understand, Jack. I'm looking at my brother right now. Those boys ain't going to leave me alone, West. They're never going to leave me alone. And why not? I can't tell you. God damn it, you can't tell me? Jack, I want you to look at me. He doesn't look at you. (laughs) Jack, you were my goddamn brother. I had everything taken from me. Every last thing. That, that a person's entitled to be on their own goddamn life. And your father came to me, and you came to me with open arms. You gave me food. You gave me shelter. You gave me a place to work. Together, you gave me a home. I love you, Jack. And I'm going to need to know the reason I'm putting an beaten into three sons of bitches. Jack does look at you after a little while. 
And he says, if you're going to beat him, I got to be there too. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. I'll bring Cassie too. She's real good at beatings. <laughs> that uh, she is. <laughs> and I promise you this, Jack, no matter what the reason they're picking on you after Cassie's had at them, they ain't going to want to even so much as look at you anymore. And we cut back to the present. Jack on one knee, that memory burning in his mind as he looks at the Mustang, that silver weighing heavy in his pocket. Flip your coin. Tails. You aim and fire. The gunpowder explodes at the back. The action of the musket rips across the night air. The bullet sails through the air. What happens to that bullet? It misses. It doesn't hit the Mustang in the head like he was planning. It hits him more in the shoulder, and it makes him mad. Yeah, you can see that he's mad because that bright red blood shines through the night, reflecting off the flames on the Mustang. It's certainly not dead it's angry now. You can see it stomping and stomping. Blood shooting out of that bullet wound goes across the sand. But to your horror, it's not in the spray and spatter, the chaotic nature that blood usually takes when you shoot something. It's organized. You see the creature buck moaning and screaming, bellowing out more flame as Cassie, more confident, goes near it. But you can see a horrible circle being drawn with that blood, and that's causing your fingers to shake as you try and reload your gun. Are you going to take another shot? Jack takes another breath to steady himself in his shaking hands. He uh, takes another look at William. William nods. Um, he loads Kathy up. Kathy wonders who William loves, <laughs> or who Jack loves. Yeah. Um, he he nods half to William, half to himself, and he finishes loading his gun. He takes another breath and aims, and fires one more time. Bullet sails through the night. What happens? This time. It hits the horse in the neck. It had to hurt. <laughs> yeah, you hear the beast scream. Draw shallow breaths for a moment. You think, I've done it. I've killed it. We're done. It's over. You think all the happy thoughts that come with having lived through something horrifying, of having achieved something like killing the devil. And as soon as those happy thoughts arrive... So does the flame. The flame shoots out of the creature's neck, cauterizing the wound. You can see in the night the two shots that struck true on that beast are healed up, smoothed over. As the circle of blood on the ground is complete, you feel the gravity of the situation around you. Suddenly, there's no sound in the night. There's no wind. There are no cries of excitement or screams of anger or rage coming from Cassie. 
there is only the sound of hoofbeats, crackling fire, the smell of brimstone, and the look of those horrible, coal-red eyes. And you shout, It's trying to summon the devil! And we turn to William. William, what are you doing? <clears throat> William is uh picked up his Bible off the ground and he's taken a sort of wide stance. Uh his hair is wild from the wind of the night and the, the bellows of fire. It's there's a little bit that's singed. He's got wide eyes that you know, he's he's barely containing it. Um he's uh got a white knuckle grip on this Bible. Um as he's turning to open it, he feels his forearm his left hand like spasms uncontrollably and uh he can feel that with the horse this near the old scar still burns and it's he can barely use it and so he's trying to keep that under control while opening up the the good book and we cut to a memory you remember william kneeling in the river beside you his hands strong lifting you from the water a benediction still echoing in the air William's eyes are clear and kind. You feel free for the first time in years. But there's a question on your lips. So does this work? Well, I I said the words right, didn't I? You wet in the water, the good Lord smiles down on us. It's pretty simple. He doesn't the good Lord doesn't want to make it very difficult to uh to receive his good graces. William is a few years younger looking. He is, he is a young man fresh to this area. William, I do appreciate you taking the time to set out this water for me to perform your baptism and all that. I appreciate the effort it took to drag that water up from the river. Nothing uh, good but what comes from hard work. That boy I killed is still dead. He's with the Lord now. You're, you still got good works to be done on this good earth, or God would take you too. Don't think for a minute that there ain't salvation waiting for you and, and that you're not worthy here. God wants you on this planet to do something with your life. And if you're letting that, that sin that's behind you hold you back, you're not doing anybody any favors. Not that boy, not you, not the Lord. You need to, it's hard. It's awful. You accepted it. You accepted the Lord into your heart. And there's nothing now but for to pick yourself up and live life as as he would want you to, as you would want you to, and as that little boy wants you to. You, you're a strong man. There's a lot of life ahead of you. There's a lot of good work to be done. What, what could I possibly do to make up for something like that? It's not to make up for... It's just a lifelong commitment to, to putting any bit of good into this world. It's, it's never going to be enough. I wish I could tell you otherwise, but it won't be. I got another confession to make. I killed that boy because I wanted to take evil out of the world. Mm. And you think that's for, for mortals like us to decide? Who else is going to do it? The only thing God ever killed around here is a tree. And I don't think that tree raised, raised a limb against nothing. 
But I seen that boy, and I seen what he did to my brother, and I knew what I had to do. I didn't feel good afterwards, but I know no one's going to touch Jack ever again. Uh, William uh, stares off in the direction of the tree, not visible from here, but it's a... It's like a pole to everyone around here. You can always know where the, the burnt tree is, even him a newcomer. William uh, fingers a, a cross on his neck, and there's there's a long silence. West, the good book doesn't hold all the answers. And I think God didn't give us minds without expecting us to use them, and hearts without expecting us to listen to them. They do say he works in mysterious ways. I ain't never seen God kill nobody, neither. It's certainly it for me to say that what you were doing wasn't God wor- God's work. I don't think it should be plan A, but uh I've seen terrible people, and I've seen good people, and I believe in the power of redemption. I'd be naive if I thought it was always a possibility. You gotta, you gotta listen to that heart and that mind of yours, sir, and just try to do as right by the good dead as you can. He nods and he sits back down to the bench of the cell. Well, let's hope the jury agrees with you. I do say it was in defense of my brother, so maybe maybe they'll see good work and grim work too. Where'd you get that blade anyway? I haven't seen the like of it around here. Did you make that yourself? I did. My father fought in the war. He didn't leave it with all his limbs intact, but he had this wooden leg, and inside of it, this steel beam that hit harder than anything I ever felt in my life. So I knew when he died, when his body burnt up, I had to do something to carry around that memory with me. Yeah, I made that knife. <laughs> you don't think they'll give it back to me, will they? God works in mysterious ways. And we cut back to the present. Flip your coin. Okay. Um, Good luck. We've got a yes, which is going to be heads, and a no with like a skeleton with skeletal <laughs> wings on it. That's so smart. that looks like a... <laughs> Big no. So we want it to be yes? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so I'm just gonna like, I'm not good at flipping coins. So like, just gonna toss it. A yes. yes. Shocking. You can see the burnt blood that we had set out to attract the beast courses through the sand like an inky black serpent. It creates a border around the creature. Hellfire starts to spit up out of that as the ground starts to open. You can see the malice of the creature, its coal eyes burning into your soul. It's looking right at you as it stomps the earth. With each stomp, it cracks like glass beneath its hooves. The very ground beneath it is opening. The smell of brimstone and blood washes over you. You think... Somehow, beneath all of the crying and screaming, beneath Cassie's war cry, beneath Jack's coughing cry, beneath West's determined yells and shouts of instruction, you hear 
screams coming from beneath the earth. That Bible lies in the sand near your feet. What do you do? William uh, is paralyzed with fear for a moment and his left hand is still spasming. He reaches down trying to pick up the Bible and the left hand smacks it out of his his uh, his right hand. William da- stares with his mouth agape for a moment and the hand is still moving. Uh, so there seems to be a rhythm to the screams and the hand is moving. William pulls up the coat to fully show it and the scars are moving across the forearm and the, the open wound is, is peeling back. William thinks for a second and walks. We're still being protected by Cassie's uh, shield, fortunately. Walks over to West. My hand doth wish to sin against me. West, use that nasty knife of yours. Remove it. Now. West looks horrified for a minute and searches William's face for any sign that he should not do what he has been asked to do. And he does not find it. West confessed to William once years ago that he did not want to fill the world with good acts, but remove wicked ones instead. And so West takes that cruel knife made from his father's leg. and He draws the blade in a circle around William's arm. To William's credit, he screams, but softly angrily and he screams looking into the eyes of that horrible abomination on the count of three west brings down his arm across the now exposed bone that sits on his friend's stump and with a sickening crack the arm falls free is determined west is distracted his eyes Look to that arm. He can see the horrible blood spilling forth from it. Again, like a serpent crawling across the ground towards the Mustang. The wicked blood caused by that burn returning to its master once more. West thinks for a minute that he sees the arm move. Kicks it into the fire. As William turns back to his work. Uh, William takes a few shaky steps forward, takes one look at the Bible, and then keeps walking. Uh, Jack is up there, hands uh, trying to find one more reload, trying to get it in time, trying to get that last shot. Cassie is keeping the flames from off us. Uh, Cassie is also throwing you a big thumbs up right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, William gets a big, uh, big grin on his face. Uh, the, the biggest he's smiled all night. Um, William walks up to, to Jack and, and puts a hand on his shoulder and says, uh, 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 that rifle's not going to do us any good now. Steady me as I walk. Puts a hand on his shoulder. Jack takes a look at William's face, and then he looks at his left arm, or the lack thereof, and doesn't say anything. He puts his rifle in the dirt, stands up, and puts his arm around William's waist, Mm -hmm. and takes the full weight of William onto him, and he nods. (laughs) 
William uh, looks looks at all of his companions, and the 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 ground is starting to crack beneath them. The screams are getting louder. Uh, with with a determined step, he starts stepping out of the range of the uh, the shield that Cassie has up, and he puts his his good hand forward, and he's got that silver coin that uh, we're keeping for good luck, and he's holding it forward, and he starts chanting a. Uh, a Latin prayer, but as he does so, and as he takes each step forward, and as, as soon as the fire starts touching the front of him, the words shift. Um, they get faster, and they move to a different rhythm, um, a rhythm interweaving between the the slow rhythm of the the horrible screams, and the fire doesn't touch them. It banks back off, and we can see. The cracks as he walks forward, the earth heals beneath his feet. He carries with him the word, and the Mustang, for all of its cruelty and all of its evil. It cannot stand against the word. It struggles as though it's held to the earth itself with chains. Chains that can't be seen, but chains it thrashes against. It spits, it screams, it retches, it shoots fire, ash, and brimstone. But none of it stands against William. None of it slows his step. He moves forward, sure of what he must do. And in this moment, West knows also what he must do. He grabs that knife. He shakes off the blood from his friend. And he takes a grim step forward towards the beast. It stands in front of him. It is a horse. He can see that. But the closer he gets, the larger it seems. It grows to encompass the entire horizon. It is all he knows, all he has ever known. Those hoofbeats echo through his memory, echo back to the night he lost his parents echo back to the time he saw his father ground beneath the hooves of the cruel animal, back to the screams and the burns that covered his mother's body and the weeks before her passing. He sees it now in front of him, and his hand tightens around that knife. And now I have to ask all of you for the coins that I gave you when we said our prayer. And I'll flip each one of these. Uh, for me, the colored side will be heads, along with the yes. It's more dramatic this way. It's a no. no. Oh, no! <laughs> so we've received one yes and one no. Okay, now it's real dramatic. Yeah. There's one coin left as he approaches the Mustang. It rears up. With a scream, he runs to meet it, stabbing that knife into its flesh. He can feel the hoof pounding against his back. His ribs crack. His flesh screams and burns. He might have received William's benediction, but he does not have William's faith. He might have worked with Cassie, but he does not have her strength. He might be Jack's brother, but he does not have his love. He is a man consumed by rage, who wants to do with one thing with his life, 
not fill the world with good acts, but remove the wicked ones. He takes that knife hazily and shakily through the pain that the Mustang is bringing him. He brings his focus to the creature's neck. He sees the thick veins that beat on that horse. He can feel its heart beneath the fire and the brimstone. He makes eye contact with it. He sees the eyes of the beast that took the life of his parents. And he brings the knife down. Oh, man. Oh, man. But it is not enough. That cruelty and that hatred caused him to falter as he sinks that knife into its throat. He can feel himself drawn in. He tries to pull back. There are moments of fear. There are screams for help. But in that moment, his strong companions who accompanied him, who were determined to aid him, and this fight against the beast are reduced to shells of what they once were. They scream as he screams. They can see the inky, ash-black tendrils of the beast draw their friend in deeper. Just as William had been touched by the fires, so had West. West carried them not on his flesh to be carved away, but in his heart to be drawn in it. And they say that to this day you can hear the Mustang as it thunders across the countryside. When the sun sets, you can see the fire of the heat of hate in its heart. But the Mustang is changed now, different. It does not seek to punish good people. It seeks to punish bad and it lives to remove the wickedness from this world and treat that wickedness in kind. And that was Mustang. Hey. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Oh, I love it. It's good. Uh, thank you guys so much for yeah. joining yeah, me on you. this venture. I'm sorry that we didn't kill it. No. But no, we got pretty close. Yeah, yeah. pretty close. Hey, at least we almost... Sorry, West. But we survived. Yeah. yeah. I was confident yeah. one of us was... Gonna die. Yeah. Hey, one of us did. Yeah. Oh, oh well. so I was right. Um, the other thing is, Cassie totally goes on to become president. <laughs> Chop it off your arm, William. Thank you. That was wow. pretty that great. Was, move. I had to get a little gross. It <laughs> was good, gross. Thank you. Well, heroes, that's it for one shot this week. But we'll be back next week with another spooky mystery game because I haven't figured out what it's going to be yet because we have a production schedule to keep. Ooh. In the meantime, you can join us tonight at 8.15 p.m. Central Standard Time for Dungeon Rats on the OneShot Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash OneShotRPG. You'll also be able to join us Thursday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for our board game stream where we play Coup. Remember, heroes, if you love this show, want to support our network, and can't make a monthly contribution because you're naked, good news! OneShot is now offering merchandise. You can follow the link in the show notes and on our site to our Redbubble page, where you'll be able to purchase one-shot, campaign, and back-to-basics gear. 
proceeds from that help support the network so that we can make what you listen to better. A huge thanks to all of our contributors on Patreon, who are right now patiently waiting for new thank yous to be recorded. Kat and I have very difficult schedules to line up right now, and we have to spend most of that time recording campaign. I'm very, very sorry for the delay on this, but we will record it soon. One Shot is a proud partner in the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you're an advertiser in the Chicago area looking to reach an engaged Chicago audience, be sure to contact the co-op about advertising opportunities. And if you're a listener who wants to find a new show, try Team GFB Radio. Dave Lang and Daryl Wisner share tales from the front lines of game development and talk current events in the games industry. As always, a big thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend about the show. You can also leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. If you want to hear more from the show, be sure to follow us on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod. Check out our Tumblr at OneShotPodcast.tumblr.com. Check out our Google Plus community. Or look for news on the site at oneshotpodcast.com. If you're looking to inquire about advertising rates, live appearances, and commissioning episodes, or you have a question or comment about something you heard on the show, contact us at gamemaster at oneshotpodcast.com. One Shot is a joint production between Peaches and Hot Sauce and Paracosm Press. Peaches and Hot Sauce is a Chicago-based comedy network with tons of great podcasts, videos, and live shows for you to check out at peachesandhotsauce.com. Finally, that music, which is right now swelling up over my voice, is Be Your Own Pet with Adventure, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes! Because-